Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Lewis and Kyle Show. Hopefully your favorite interview podcast, a place where you get behind the scenes conversations with fascinating entrepreneurs, founders, investors, authors, and thought leaders in a variety of subjects. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Farzad Rashidi, who's the chief innovator and founder at Respana, which is a software that helps people build backlinks to their website. Why is that significant? Uh, the one second summary is that it helps you get more traffic to your website, uh, but we get into a whole lot more depth than that in this conversation. We discuss how Farzad joined the company Vizmi as their first marketing hire and took them from an obscure startup to ranking on the first page of Google for a huge number of hyper competitive terms. We discuss spitting off Respana as a internal tool that was created within Vizmi as its own company. We discuss how we acquired customers for that as well. And of course, we speak more abstractly about the fundamentals of SEO in general and how Farzad recommends you can use a tool like Respana or just your own manual processes to get backlinks and grow your own business. That's all I have to say before we get started. Quick word from our sponsor and then I'll switch to the episode. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by our friends at VASA, the virtual assistant staffing agency. We hired our first virtual assistants from VASA to assist with our operations running the show back in June. But VASA is not just for podcast editors. If you need some extra hands to free up your time, let VASA help you with hiring for administrative, technical, and creative work. That's graphic design, cold callers, social media managers, sales reps, video editors, admin assistants, and more. Free up your time to focus on your highest impact work and learn more about VASA at vastaffing.agency or by clicking the link in the show notes to schedule a free strategy session with their team. Alrighty, back to the show. Barzada, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be chatting today. Thanks for having me on the show, Lewis. Yeah, so one quick question, super easy. How do you strip the URL just to the root domain with regex? I'm not a developer, unfortunately, and uh, and that's that's my, not really my area of expertise to answer. Uh, I have a technical uh, lead who basically manages all the nerdy things, and I'm just a clown here who goes on podcasts <laughs> and talks about the product. So, um, unfortunately, you know, I'm more on the business side than on the dev I was side. Taking, I was taking a risk there because I know you've published this really large ebook, and I was kind of flipping through it, seeing if there's anything I wanted to like hone in on and get more specifics on. And just right. like I'm scrolling through kind of quickly just on the first skim. And this just tr like one page is just a formula. It's like now paste this into Excel and it's like <laughs> 900 characters. And I'm like, who came up with this formula? Cause this is just outrageous, but I'm sure it's effective. It's like every edge case to strip something. So I wasn't That's sure right. if, if that was you or not. Yeah, there's definitely some Googling involved. You know, I, I know my way around Google. Uh, not every information you see in the ebook is I, I came up with. And a lot of it is okay. actually learned I was ready from... to give you credit for all of that. Oh, no, I never take credit. I'm very I'm too generous. Thanks. No, but I pretty much everything I know is learned from someone. I, it's very little that I've contributed myself. But it's kind of nice to kind of put everything under one roof. And at least showcase the stuff that works, right? Because 90% yeah. of stuff you, that you experiment with just doesn't. So it's good to kind of have one centralized hub of, hey, here's what worked for us and may work for you, maybe doesn't. So that's, uh, you know, speaking of being comfortable in the realm of Google, how did you learn marketing? Because I know you were the first marketing hire at a tech company. I don't know mm -hmm. if you had a marketing background before that or they kind of took a chance on you, but how did you get into marketing and start yeah. teaching yourself about it? 
You know, it's funny. It's actually the first time someone ever asked me that question. I've never been asked that question before. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so I did not know marketing at all, uh, or at least in, in a useful sense, right? Uh, stuff you sure. learn in school. I went to business school, got a business degree. It's worth nothing. Uh, <laughs> didn't we learn a single thing. Right? Sorry, kids. Yeah. So basically what happened was I was looking around for jobs and I was kind of still in school actually at the time. And and I was like, okay, I came across VizMe as a product, as a user. So I basically came across a tool and I used Canva and a couple other more well-known tools at the time. And I just didn't like it. It wasn't at a point it was back in the day. It's like 2000, gosh, 15, 16, um, 2016 probably. And, and I was like, okay, this is not really what I'm looking for. And I came across VizMe and I, and I was like, oh man, this is a very cool product for folks who are listening who haven't heard of us. It's a, um, it's a, I would say only one design platform for businesses who could create like on-brand content quickly. And uh, I was like, oh, VizMe, what is this thing? Nobody's ever heard of it. So I went in and found a founder on LinkedIn and I literally cold emailed him and I was like, hey man, <laughs> no, my name is Farzad and I don't have a whole lot of experience, but I'd love to come and help you guys out. And at the time they didn't have, they were kind of in build mode, right? So there were basically a bunch of engineers and Paymon was himself was the only person actually doing the work. And so they were still in the very early stages of the, the startup. And I basically offered to work for free. And I was like, hey, I don't mean to take any comp. I can just come on board and, and help you guys out. And he's like, free labor, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> it was very relatively easy to get in, uh, just simply because I was working for free. And I just worked my butt off up until a point that Payne was like, you know, man, you know what? We're just going to start paying you a little bit here and there. So I was like, okay, sounds like a good plan. So that kind of internship slash partnership ended in, uh, ended up with like a full-time position. And, and then we sort of started hiring more people because the company started doing well and we started getting quite a lot of users and uh, we started basically hiring some more folks. And guess what? I was the only marketing person there. So I started training them and putting together systems and processing process in place. So it's not because I, I was director of marketing, first head of marketing, uh, not because I was qualified for the job. It's just simply because I was the only person to do the job. So uh, it kind of happened organically over time. And uh, and then there's a lot of learnings along the way. So did you pitch yourself as I'll help you with marketing or just like, I like this in general, let me do something? Yeah, it was more so on the marketing side, just simply because it's my passion. I kind of like okay. the whole nerdiness of finding, you know, uh, how do you position yourself in the market? How do you acquire customers? How do you support and retain them? Sort of where I sort of geek out on and, and, um, and, and yeah, so that was sort of the area that I offered to help and that's ended up being the place that they needed the most help with. So that kind of aligned pretty well. Yeah. I don't think that's such a, a rare occurrence that a SaaS company needs help with marketing, right? Right. <laughs> It's in this day and age, people can build stuff pretty quick. And then it's just getting right. people to care and know about it. What was your approach? So you come in, I, again, obviously you're going to condense the history here, but how did you eventually get, because I know Vizme is now much larger. I mean, I've heard you say on other podcasts to get like 3 million page views a month. So like they're pretty well established, if you will, and they rank right. top for a lot of keywords. So how did you take them from like this unknown thing you kind of just found on LinkedIn because Canva didn't exist yet to fairly mainstream? So the way VizMe's success was, so when I joined, I was like, okay, we got three main channels. That's how most startups sort of um, acquire customers and users, right? One is through cold outreach, 
or just going door to door, right? By email, cold calls. Problem was the unit economics didn't make any sense. Like it makes sense if you just started a product and you're actually looking to like gain some early access customers. But when you're already at that stage and now you're looking to scale, it's not something that you could do long-term um, because the price point of Vizme at the time was very, well, still is very affordable. It's like starts, I think at like at the time it was like 13, $14 a month or something like that. It's a very affordable product. And um, and it just didn't make sense to go hire salespeople and, and, and go start selling, right? So uh, that was at the door. Number two was um, paid ads, right? Facebook, Google, Twitter, um, and, not a problem with that was that we were completely bootstrapped. So we, uh, Paymon, who's the founder of Bizme, started the company, incubated it out of his own web agency that he ran, and pl pretty much playing with his own cash, right? And so it's not something that we had the luxury of pouring a ton of cash into paid advertising. And not a problem with paid ads is again not to say anything against that. It. It's just it was we it was the type of business that was in the right fit. Uh, because paid ads works well, like one-off type of products where you're selling t-shirt shirts, like lifestyle things, like cool geeky or gimmicky products. Like you could go on and, and run Instagram and Facebook ads and do pretty well for yourself. But if you're good at it, um, and the problem is when it comes to subscription businesses, at some point you hit a ROI wall where, where you start doubling the budget and, uh, and the conversions don't double. So that return on ad spend starts plateauing and it goes dips into the negative. So you kind of have a cap on how how big you can grow that channel. And coupled with the cash um, restriction, it was just not a very scalable strategy for us to put all of our effort on. So now to this day, we still have a sales team on the business side. You know, we have a paid ads um, person, but it's not really the core focus. So we're like, all right, if you're building a customer acquisition strategy, we need to start picking something that would work five, 10, 20 years down the line, right? So we need to start today. And what we landed on was a pretty easy process. So we were like, okay, Lewis, you're a potential customer of Vizme. Let's say you want to create a infographic on this episode that we just chatted today and kind of summarize it. And you don't already have a solution. You're looking for a new solution, right? Where would be the first place you go look for software tool like ours yeah i would i'd be a google person nothing special exactly so you go and google hey, what are some... if i was feeling fancy but that wouldn't be the first <laughs> stop right yeah exactly normally i would say 90 plus percent of the cases you, you go and google it and so we knew that from day one we we're like okay our customers are googling they're aware of the problem they're solving they are googling about it it's stupid for us not to be there where they're looking for a solution like ours and that's the main strategy behind Vizme as a bootstrap company that's doing well. It's about 100 plus team members now, fully profitable. And we're not a household name. Nobody's ever heard of us as a brand. But when you go to actually purchase a tool that purchase a solution that we offer, it's impossible not to come across us. Uh, so we've made ourselves so that we're there at the point of purchase. We don't care about that, that level top of the funnel because it's a very expensive play to be a household name, right? So. That process was sort of um, um, what what initiated the focus on on SEO and and kind of putting our um, chips um, on that because now I mean just to give you some as you mentioned we're getting about three million monthly organic traffic sixteen million plus active users and still fully bootstrap and going strong.
So let's talk about the progression from what you're building there into uh-huh. what became Respana. Yep. And, and I guess how you, the, the bones of your SEO strategy that led to however many years later, these uh, That's right. mountains of traffic. Right. So it was definitely not an overnight success. And again, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, oh, you guys are geniuses. Like you came across with all this process. I mean, we built a free ebook that I'm sure you came across where I kind of outlined the whole process. Folks want to download it. Just go type VisMe marketing strategy should be at the top there. And you can download that free ebook. I kind of give you step-by-step instructions of exactly what we did. But it was a trial and error process really for us to find that blueprint because um, we're sort of throwing spaghetti on the wall and it wasn't working, right? So we spent a lot of resources on keyword research. We bought like Ahrefs and SEMrush and we started doing keyword research. We started, we're like, you know, everybody writes blog posts. So let's go write some blog posts. And uh, we need to build some sales pages and we put it out there and it was absolutely crickets. <laughs> so after months of work and we put it all up there and we we're like, well, this is kind of embarrassing. And so what happened was we started looking into the keywords that we're trying to rank for, right? So Lewis, if you do me a favor right now, if you open a little incognito tab on your browser on Chrome, so your previous search history doesn't impact it. I've been to to both websites before, so that would impact this. Yes. Yeah. So open an incognito window and just type presentation software. I'm going to make sure I go to Google first because I don't know if the incognito defaults to Google. Right. All right. Presentation software. All right. We got an ad for, we got three ads. So uh, forget about the ads. First organic result is VisMe. Beautiful. Well, that was lucky. I'm jumping ahead. But no worries. No worries. Yeah. It's great to hear that we're at the top. Normally, search results fluctuate, right? Two, three. As far as we're in the top three, that's great. Um, Now, one thing I want you to look up is right below the search bar, it, as, it tells you how many web pages Google went through to, to find these results and rank them. How many web pages? Uh, full, does it full billion. One billion would it be? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Correct. So we're like, okay, well, <laughs> we built all these pages. And let's say in terms of quality of content, however way you want to define it, we did our best, right? We're in the top 1%. In terms of quality of content, the way the site loads fast, it's mobile friendly, you name it. The user experience is great, right? I think we can all agree top 1% is pretty damn good. But top 1% of a billion search results is still in the millions. <laughs> so 10 millionth to be exact. So how do you go from 10 millionth to 10, <laughs> which would put you on the, and, and the, and the uh, basically There's a lot the, of zeros. The yeah, exactly. A lot of zeros in that percentage. That's right. And so we we're like, okay, well, we're obviously missing something because Google has to have a way to prioritize these search results, right? Because when you have 10 million really good pages on your, uh, on your hands out of the billion, you still got to wait. How do you go about prioritizing them on the first page, right? Where 99% of clicks happen. So did a little history check. It turns out that the way Google, all the other search engines, right? Before you and I were, when, when we were all babies in the, in the late 90s, there's AOL and Yahoo and these guys, these guys that were still sharing the market with Google and Google came later. The way they beat them all is by developing this algorithm called PageRank, 
which basically created a Mean Girls popularity contest for web pages. Meaning that if other relevant authoritative websites in your space are linking back to you and they're talking about you, then that is a vote of popularity in eyes of search engines, and they prioritize it based on how popular you are, not only because not only based on the content that's on your page. And that's interesting, isn't it? Now, so you can't just go stuff keyword on a page and call it a day. You get zero traffic. And you also have to convince other authoritative people in your space to start talking about you. So understanding that, and that's sort of the concept of backlinks and link building, is kind of uh, what's been really put on us over the top is because it's kind of the bastard child of SEO in a way that nobody wants to do it because people feel comfortable doing things that are under their control. And... That's why most marketing agencies only do keyword research and writing content and on-page techniques, right? Because this is something that's easy to do. It's under your control. You open a Word document, start typing words, bam, you get a blog post, right? But that's what everybody does. <laughs> so that's what we took advantage of. We're like, okay, let's put an in-proportionate amount of focus on our link building and off-page promotion so that now every page that we, so we start producing content less frequently, so we dedicate more resources to off-page off SEO and promotion. And what happened was that it put us immediately over the top, obviously over the course of the, uh, the next few years. And, and, and basically that resulted in, in that process was sort of done all over the place by duct taping a bunch of different tools. And that's sort of our idea of Responda came to as a link building and, and off-page uh, off SEO software. That's yeah, it's super interesting. I'm trying to think in terms of like, you know, what I've been do done in my marketing career, if you will, is like, have I done the lesser traffic channels or have I been, you know, another person trying what everyone else is doing, right? That's like the, the age old question. And I see a lot of with the appeal of, you know, and everything is the, the easy predictable strategy, right? Where it's like, people like to feel a sense of progress. So it's like, if you spend right. an hour today, you publish a blog post, you watch the number of blog posts go up and you feel like you're, you're trying versus, you know, you might take, it's like a sales cycle, right? With backlink building, you have to prospect, you have to talk to people. You have to probably maybe get on the phone periodically, like discuss right. things more depth. And, you know, maybe after a month of trying with hundreds, you get a few people that say yes, but it's very, you know, uh, high fluctuation, very high variability and very volatile. And one is as an agency selling that service, right? not only do people for their own workflows like to have that layer of like predictability and like feel a sense of progress, but in terms of like reporting to your clients, like, Hey, what have you done for me for SEO this month? Well, they're like, well, we try to get you a lot of backlinks and they're like, show me the results. <laughs> and so it's That's very right. difficult to have a business relationship where there's enough trust and patience to do yep. that type of difficult work uh, as yeah, well. Absolutely. So being the few people willing to actually step up and do it could definitely set you all apart. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's also important for the client to understand why it needs to be done and also what it takes to get it done. Um, we always recommend folks actually act, act, before we start outsourcing this to an agency, just close your eyes and let, let them do the work. Um, have, have a basic understanding and do it yourself. Right. It doesn't take much uh, to pull out the good old Gmail and start sending some emails and see what happens, because. Uh, then you at least have a basic understanding where you start hiring the right person to do the job, understanding and knowing what it takes. Because 
LinkedIn, just like anything, it, it's a type of process that requires a little bit of experimentation to figure out what works well for you. Because it's a very broad term. There's myriad of different strategies you can do. Um, but but finding and understanding, okay, what are these set of strategies that work very well for us? And then so now let's get rid of the rest of them and double on the stuff that works. And to be honest with you, it is not rocket science. Like it is more unpredictable uh, at the beginning than it is later on, because once you have a nail, the pitch and incentive and, and degree of flexibility and personalization and, and knowing what type of strategies uh, you can add the most value, uh, then you start becoming a lot more, uh, I would say, regular in terms of expectation. And we actually have expectations from our own internal team that does outreach. For example, uh, one of them is podcasts. Uh, they need to give me five podcast bookings a month. And at the beginning, it was fluctuates. One one month it was ten, and another month was zero. And now it's kind of leveled out because now we know what to say, what to do, and who to contact. And and Responder helps us put these together pretty quickly, uh, so that experiment doesn't take too much time. And now it's very consistent. So even as an agency, um, it, it's going in with the understanding the first few months is going to be more volatile. But then once you kind of nail those pitches and those um, uh, kind of put these foundation in place and the rest of it is, is a piece of cake yeah you start to get some intuition because at the beginning you have no intuition about the ratio right in terms of like there's no website you can look up and be like what's the average pitch acceptance rate for podcasters it's like maybe you can find a website that'll give you like a guess at a number but no one like actually knows and of course right your circumstances because if you're you know sold the best book of all time, right? If you're not the best book of all times, but if you're James Clear, right? And you sold Atomic Habits and it's like the most popular book of the last five years, it's like your acceptance rate is going to be hundred percent versus That's right. if you're kind of someone earlier in their career with less clout, if you will, it's like, it's yeah. going to be different. So there's not like a, I mean, there's sort of like a measure of uh, digital reputation, right? There's like things you could predict. There's probably some number, right? I'll ask you about like the Farzad far, far score later. For, for SEO, <laughs> but the, with uh, like digital reputation, it's kind of like maybe you can make some arbitrary function of clout as like, you know, if you have a book, how many reviews it has on Amazon times, how many followers you have on social times, maybe the just regular domain authority of your backlink. But even that's right. just going to get you like an approximation versus after you've actually gone through with the tool, like respond yourself and have like maybe an analytics dashboard that's like, okay, we've, you know, and then you have like listennotes.com, right? So you have like the podcast score. So it's like, okay, if we send 500 invites to podcasts with an average list note score of like 43 out of 100, then our rate is this. And then you can start actually pitching some degree of predictability if you want to go do that, what you've done for right. yourself or others. Yeah, I, I would kind of agree and disagree at the same time. Um, for a single, singular company in a certain niche, you can start reaching that degree of stability in terms of incoming links and interviews and collaborations. But we found that it'd be almost impossible to predict it for an, an, for the next company. So what applies to us doesn't necessarily apply to you because every niche uh, changes the way the dynamic, right? So the incentive change, the pitches change, the type of people you target change. And, and, and as you said, that, that level of brand recognition does play into it. So I was doing a demo today for, for a large marketing agency that's actually looking to start offering link building as a service recently. So that they do all the SEO things and performance marketing, all that stuff, right? That's very easy to do. And that, that's one of the concerns they had. They're like, hey, how do we actually package and sell it to our customers? And I said, 
you need to start working with customers that are okay with that level of uh, instability at the very beginning, right? So that for probably the first few months, it's going to be um, experimentation with different strategies and kind of understand what works best in their niche. And and it doesn't mean one strategy will work for you. It's going to, or for one client, it's going to work for the next one. So, um, and, and as long as the clients are okay with it, then great, you do it. And if they're not okay with it, just don't do it, right? If they don't want it, there's no better way around it, right? That's the thing. It's like there is no other option. The, your other option is to go and start buying links. And that's what a lot of agencies do nowadays, unfortunately, is that they have partnerships with some publications that go buy links from. And the problem is that if they're selling links to you, they're probably selling links to a lot of other people too, right? And so that pro creates a problem where sooner or later, the links are most likely going to get nullified, right? And um, and if you're building a domain brand reputation, your business livelihood depends on the traffic you get into your website. You don't want to risk that in any way. So it's very important to kind of maintain that degree of visibility into the average that's being done. And so that's sort of why I also recommend a lot of people to do that sort of tactics in-house and then hire people to come and do it inside their account. And and so they at least have an understanding, okay, where are these links coming from? What where these collaborations are starting uh, and, and having that maintaining that degree of visibility is really one of also, also big, our biggest um, selling selling points at Respana. How did you go about getting your first customers for Respana? Um, it was also another uh, uh, spaghetti on a wall thing, really experimenting with a bunch of different things. So that ebook that you wrote actually was one of the main strategies for launch. We're like, hey, what do we have that we can offer to people that would attract the right audience? We're like, okay, we know we're, we're catering predominantly to people who are, who are entrepreneurs, right? So you're either building it like an affiliate side or you're building another SaaS company or you're offering services as an agency, right? So these people uh, may be interested in, in understanding how we scale Vizme's traffic to, you know, in the seven figures, how we um, basically got to this point because we are in the top 5,000 websites in the world out of a billion, right? So it was, it was a quite an accomplishment. So we're like, all right, let's give it to them. <laughs> let's just give them the blueprint step by step so they can follow. And that's enough value prop for them to at least see, be interested in what we have to sell later on, right? Establishing that trust and credibility uh, to kind of plant those seeds. So I started spending quite quite a number of hours. I think we counted like 400 hours or something right in that book. I wrote it myself. It's not a ghost written. And, um, and, and basically we launched it on AppSumo, launched the ebook on AppSumo, not the product. And Respana, not a product we can sell lifetime deals for just simply because we have data costs, reoccurring data costs. So if you're using it, we're paying for it. So like, it's not something that we could offer. It's not zero uh, marginal cost SaaS. So uh, as far as the... Um, the strategy went, so we, we, the first two weeks, we got 10,000 downloads and we also launched the entire community and whatnot. And that, that brought a good amount of eyes on, on the product. But before that, uh, we basically also went and scraped what well, we were on beta list. So a couple of these opportunities, we didn't launch on Product Hunt and I recommend people not to, uh, unless you have a solid product. At the time we didn't, right? So we were just getting beta customers and, um, and I think product hunt requires a little bit more stability and, and, um, and the space, uh, and in terms of the product to be successful. So, uh, and we also started reaching out to other people on that were listed on beta list and we're like, Hey, you're a startup founder, right? You're, you're a cool guy. You're on beta list. And let's, uh, come, come try out the product. And we actually were charging day one. 
which is also another big striking thing that we did. Um, because as I said, that we, we did have some recurring data costs. So, and we're like, all right, we, we actually, I think, offered some free accounts to some people. And they would just come in and log in once or twice and just never do anything with it. And it just ghost us. So we're like, okay, we're going to start charging you because that tells us automatically a few things. One, you have a need for this, right? You're not just looking around. Two, you're actually serious to try it out right? because you're, you know, putting in your card and paying us. And three, it made that, so instead of us getting like hundreds of people every day, we were just getting like one or two really good ones that we can actually build a relationship with and communicate with and then kind of build that roadmap on top of their feedback. So we started charging actually quite a lot at the time. It was like 145. We actually dropped our pricing to 99, uh, our entry point. But but basically, um, that was sort of the, the process. So I would say cold average to people on the on beta list. Uh, that was one thing. We got us, I think, our first customer. And um, and then we launched an ebook, and uh, that those leads were then sort of sent an email saying, "Hey, we, we just launched a product called Respana, and it was attracting the right audience. So that quite that brought us quite a lot of eyeballs. Interesting. Um, so you kind of brand Respana as this you know link building tool with four main use cases. So you have podcast discovery. You have just, I guess, generic link building, press inquiries, and affiliate recruitment. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that like has distracted you? Like, has that been like, I don't know, kind of feel like maybe it's just generic podcast advice people hear about like going for different market segments. Because like each of those people are like, in my mind, very different customers with different needs and like kind of different, I don't want to sound woo with different energy, right? Right. Uh, have you been, how, like, wh why do you kind of, is it just those four use cases all really have the same workflow and you don't have right. to like build four separate SaaS tools to cater to each of their needs or no. What's yeah, the that's the thing. That? Right. So we niche down on the market, right? Not on a use case and use case is okay. predominantly link building. And that's a very broad term. And all of the stuff that you mentioned are part of the link building umbrella. So uh, I'm going to explain the workflow of setting up any of those campaigns is, is the same thing. So four-step process, what we call a campaign, and you do the same thing for all of them. Uh, but as far as um, responding, we're, we're predominantly focused on B2B SaaS companies and agencies. And I was also asked this question, why these two? And the reason why is because uh, we basically were, um, you know, <laughs> uh, looking at our customer base, we we're like, okay, who's paying for our product? Like, who's actually the most successful? Is who's paying uh, us for a long time? Meaning they're actually getting value from our software. And those were the two segments: forty-five percent agencies and about fifty percent um, uh, other SaaS companies, predominantly B two B. And so that's sort of where we niche down. And and most B two B company SaaS founders they want to go on, on podcasts and on interviews, right? What I'm doing right now that it's a fact. Brings you a link. It's a fact. That's right. <laughs> so that brings you a link along with several other benefits, like you meet cool people like yourself in the industry, right? It's a free advertising brand awareness for people who are listening. So definitely worthwhile the hour or so that you spend out of your day to to do these and record these episodes. Um, two is uh, you start doing link building, so you start writing some content, you want to build some link to it. Um, pricing queries, also another link building strategy where you understand, okay, what are some of the journalists that are writing content pieces and and you're contributing quotes to them. Um, and also affiliate recruitment is, is actually somewhat of a new use case for us. And we partner with a few affiliate uh, 
basically marketing tools like PartnerStack, et cetera. And they sent us really, really good customers that were just looking to reach out to publications to join their affiliate program. And I was like, hey, that's exactly what responded to us. <laughs> you can find publications, websites, find the right person at each one and reach out to them. And it's just a matter of positioning your pitch. Instead of saying, hey, let's collaborate. It's like, hey, come join our affiliate program. That's the only thing that's changing here. So, um, so those were the use cases that we found that people were using it the most for. And so hence why. But otherwise, the, the product itself is, is very done. It's done very simply. Like you go in there, you start a campaign, you still go through the same flow, you do everything under one roof. What is your vision to the extent you're able to share it for Respana over the next couple of years? So the next couple of years, uh, the goal is to become the number one link building solution. So uh, we're not there yet. Still need to get there. Um, and that includes attracting the market. Uh, so there's another company called Pitchbox that are very successful with agencies. Very more expensive, significantly more expensive solution. Like so 500 a month, right? Versus like 99 a month. Uh, yes, but 500 a month annually. Uh, our annual uh, okay. Is, yeah. yeah. And so that's their something starting like 600, package. probably 20% more or something like that. Yeah, and they go up to like yeah. 1,000, 2,000 a month uh, build annually. So we're, we're significantly lower pricing, but that's not where... We don't want to be the cheapest option. We want to be the best. So uh, as far as the pricing is kept affordable, we're okay with not being the cheapest solution. Um, and basically uh, attracting that market to so the agency market and also B2B SaaS. There's another company called Buzzstream that does well um, on the miscellaneous market where basically anybody who wants the CRM for their websites, they go use them. So we're actually building that entire CRM functionality a lot better uh, inside Respond as part of our Respond 2.0 update that's coming uh, early next year. And so a number one goal is just to be the market leader in that space. So be the number when you think of link building, you think of Respond, and nothing else really comes close to it. And I think we're very close to getting there, but not to sound cocky or anything. It's just in terms of our roadmap and and our pace that we're going. Once we get there, though. Um, it's a matter of understanding, okay, what, what's next? And uh, what I have in mind, the grand vision is to actually start tapping into other markets that are slightly Ooh. bigger. Like, for example, affiliate recruitment. That's a whole other market that we can tap into. Um, and another one is influencer marketing and PR. So there's a bunch of other areas that we could focus on, but we don't want to be the jack-of-all-trades. Like, <laughs> uh, we want to be very good at link building, and then once we're done, we move to the next market. We become the market leader in that space and then move on. Kind of conquer villages one by one, right? Instead of building a, trying to build an empire in day one. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a couple bonus questions and then we'll have maybe a, couple, a lot of bonus questions. We'll see. No but worries. More, more, more rapid fire. Uh, mm -hmm. What was something, an assumption you had at the early days of Respana that you were kind of wrong about? And something you thought would be super easy or just kind of, oh, this is exactly what people want. And then you're like, that's not, that wasn't, that wasn't quite right. Right. So quite a few. I honestly have a hard <laughs> time. It's like, just give me an example of picking what to say. But like one of the biggest ones. You don't have ones, to limit yourself to one. Yeah. So one of the biggest ones, I, I guess it was like our unclear messaging was a big okay. problem. Uh, like we basically built a product that we knew what, it did, and it just weren't as clear about talking about it. We, I think we just felt insecure about the size of the market. We just didn't know how big the whole link building thing was. So we we're like, hey, let's just say we we're like built. Here was our tagline on the homepage: like 
don't spam build relationships like i'm sorry what the fuck does that mean <laughs> like now looking back i was like that means nothing like what does this thing do what what is it good for yeah, that, that could for? be any yeah that could be called outreach tools that could be like yeah any, that could be yeah, I mean, Anything. it's idiotic yeah. looking back. In retrospect, it's very clear. But at the time, we were just trying to figure it out and understanding, okay, what is the target market that it's willing to pay for? But at the time, we knew, I mean, hey, we're using this for link building and we are a SaaS company ourselves. So let's start there and see if it didn't work, then we can pivot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just not something we did. We went too broad with the messaging and it just was kind of unclear. It's like the first year we were in beta. It's like people are like, I don't understand what this is. So... Uh, now we're crystal clear. You go to our website. You're like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> it's for me or it's not for me. Yeah. Super binary. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very clear within like three seconds. You understand if, if this makes sense. Um, and so understand, I'm kind of making that messaging more clear. I guess what was, was one of the biggest mistakes with it. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I, you know, have obviously myself working in podcasting, entrepreneurship, marketing in general, have a lot of friends to do similar things. And I sent one to a friend who's kind of really getting obsessed with the whole SEO rabbit hole. And he's been on the show in the past. And I sent him the website because anytime I kind of encounter an interesting tool related to SEO, I'm like, have you seen this? What do you think about it? And right. he goes, this is actually very solid. Uh, backlink building is notoriously hard and expensive. The marketing pitch is super straightforward and to the point. It tells you what it does, who it for, and the benefit it conveys. That was his initial impression, like word for word. So that's awesome. It's funny. You're like, that was the thing we did not get right at the start, but <laughs> you've come a long way since then. If like, he wasn't you. like, oh, this would be useful. He just, the first thing he wanted to comment on was the messaging. So that's I an appreciate point. that. Thanks. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, I've had a guy uh, the other day, a friend of mine, he's a financial advisor and he came up to me at the gym. He's like, Hey man, I, so you're, I, I've heard from Colin, you're working on this responder thing. I went to your website and didn't understand exactly what it does. And I had to explain to him and, I, and and he's like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. He's like, then why don't you like change it so that it would make sense for him? I was like, if you don't know what link building is, we're probably not a good fit for you in the first place. Like you're not our yeah. target customer, right? <laughs> Financial advisor, like you're, you're managing people's money. It's not really, you're not looking to get organic traffic to your website. It's not how you acquire customers in your business. So it's just not a, uh, not a, not a right fit. So we want to make it very easy to understand for people who are the right fit, right? So that's another yes. big thing. It's like it, when you oversimplify things also, like, like for example, uh, Slack, it's like where work happens, right? So it's like, yeah, I understand that, what that means, but it's not really to the target market, right? So the, the niche that we're in is, um, is we want to make it crystal clear for them. Yeah, and back to what you were saying earlier, Slack's been putting in the capital investment to become a household name where they can sort of get away with something like that, right? I'm that's true. Yes. When they're logo they on big buildings and <laughs> playing that game. Right. So why have you listened to every single episode of the SAS club or I forget if it's the, the Twitter is like at SAS club, but the podcast might just be like the SAS show. Why have you listened to every single episode of that show? Uh, let me ask you this. How, how do you know that information in the first place to know how to ask me? <laughs> Did you listen uh, to that podcast? I listened to the podcast with Omer and I saw you make a tweet when that it was published. That it was like, oh. I listened to every episode and you, right. see, and you mentioned it on air on that episode. Right. So there you go. The reason why I said that is because you listen to the show. So we're on the same boat here. He's an excellent host, asks very good questions. And one thing I appreciate about him in particular is that he doesn't pester, like, um, like he doesn't pressure founders into giving them the data they don't want to. Like I've seen mm-hmm. some shows that are trying to like 
Trick yeah, my first million. Me. If you've ever listened to my first million, they're pushing uh, for the numbers. Right. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's not to talk bad on the hosts in particular. I'm not saying it's bad things. It's their right. style, right? Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. And if fair. you're a guest and you don't know that that's coming, that's on you for not researching. That's, that's the fair. Show. That's true. Yeah, or Nathan, like, Nathan Lacko show, and and they're extreme. Yeah. Like I listen to their show. I think their show is absolutely amazing. It's just that. Um, if the founder, I've, as a founder, I don't feel comfortable sharing these numbers just mainly because I'm a co-founder. And so understanding that and also asking really good questions and kind of step by step and not just talking to talking that person up, because I feel like you learn more by hearing about other people's failures than their mm -hmm. successes. Right. I feel like to me, um, hearing an entrepreneur talking about their success, it kind of is like, hey, like. I won the lottery and here are the numbers. Here are how here's how I yeah, right? the numbers. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. So it's I heard so that from someone. Exactly. So I don't I don't necessarily think like what worked for Slack to be a company is that's necessarily gonna be applicable. But if I know another company, especially a software company, experimented with something and failed, and I'm like, okay, maybe this is something to to also be mindful about. So I think he's just he just asks very good questions and and that also helped me learn a lot of things. So it was it was, it was quite quite fun to have a chat with him. Yeah, I think that's one of the most useful thing about podcasts because about like the kind of highlight reel type thing, right? Where it's like, you know, I came on, I was super confident. I was like, I'm going to be your CMO. And you email the guy and you tell the story in that respect, right? It's just like the most right. self-serving <laughs> version of the story. And it's just like, okay, so as a listener, right? You're like, well, I'm someone who doesn't have it all figured out. So right. and then it just feels like what you've done is this impossible thing versus you're like, tell a story of, you know, as a college senior, I didn't totally know what I was doing, but this seems cool. So I was like, I'll try something. That was the one that happened to work. And then we tried a bunch of, it's just, the, I think a lot of the point of, you know, why I do this podcast is obviously to like learn things myself, but to of course be like encouraging for other people. It's like, look, he's right. a real person. They're all real people. Yeah. Uh, majority of them, like they've done things that are within your degree of possibility as well. And when you That's listen right. to a podcast, he's not just the CEO with a LinkedIn and 10,000 followers and this, whatever. It's like, no, he's just, he's cool. He did some stuff. A lot of it worked. He worked really hard. And it's not like diminishing accomplishments, and most of but it's it also bringing people back to earth, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And most of them doesn't. And and we just don't talk about them as much as we talk about the successes. So it's also very important. Things always sound a lot easier on a, when you listen to them on a podcast episode uh, than, than when you actually get down and start doing it. Yeah. So if you weren't doing this right now, what is your best guess? It's always difficult to do the uh, counterfactual, but what is your best guess of what you would be doing right now in a different reality? If I wasn't doing respondents. So I've always been to building things. I think I would be building something. Uh, probably, I would assume two routes. If I were to have a job, I'll probably be doing sales at a company, like probably another SaaS company. Um, as an employee, I think that's that's one thing I enjoy doing the most. And I think I'm relatively good at. and um, Or product manager. That's sort of the two areas I enjoy the most, sales and product. Um, on the other hand, if I were to be building something else, um, I would probably be working on some IoT stuff, like Internet of Things. Yeah, like that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's 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 it. Backlinking the items in your home together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a question a friend of mine put out a tweet of like all of his. He's a podcast host as well. All of his favorite questions. So given given Danny some credit here. But what is something that you didn't pay enough attention to early on when starting Respawna that you kind of had to learn the hard way you had to pay more attention to than you were? So you're kind of like, oh, that's, yeah. Right. Seems like you already have an idea. 
I think it was more of the human aspect of um, of running a company. Because when you think of startups, you think of, oh, product, marketing strategy, right? And then sales. Like, you don't think about the team as much as you would. Uh, like, for example, building a product is entirely reliant on the development team and the designer. And then, so understanding how to hire these people, how to put them into place, how to get them to work to, with each other, because especially engineers are very introverted people. So like, how do you actually get them to talk to each other? How do you make that work? Uh, it brings up a lot of challenges, uh, especially if you're hiring people that are entirely remote and like not in the same room. And so just that um, human aspect of put, putting together a good team and making them work well with each other to be able to get into a routine of developing features, experimenting marketing strategies, putting things out, uh, ended up being a lot more difficult than I had before. I, I even didn't even consider it. So it was something that I probably pay a lot more attention to. Awesome. Well, it's a Friday afternoon when we're recording this. Uh, low probability it's a Friday afternoon when someone's listening to it, just because there's seven days a week. So we're already kind of batting low <laughs> averages there. But, and we usually release on Tuesdays. Anyway, we're going into the weekend. What do you like to do for fun besides help people build a ton of backlinks from and build authority with backlinks? To be more yes, I yeah, I like to. Well, we have a big release coming up this Saturday, so I probably would be working on Saturday. But Sunday, I'm going to a uh, I'm going to fruit picking, uh, not pumpkin picking, fruit picking. Uh, oh yes, I think apples. I don't know what it is. Uh, with a few friends and I'm uh, probably going to stop by a winery on the way there. I'm a big nature guy. I go on walks and stuff and kind of put away the screens and kind of, you know, just have a little bit of uh, detox. So that's, I think, the way I relax is kind of being outdoors and doing things. Um, I think it, it, that's very soothing to me. So, yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty much it. That's a wholesome way to close things out. Where should people <laughs> uh, keep up with you if they want to learn generally about getting organic traffic, link building your product, et cetera. Yeah, so you're more than welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's normally the most the social media I'm most active on. It's uh, my name is Farzad Rashidi. Uh, aren't a whole lot of them, so easy to, <laughs> to spot. Uh, so definitely the, uh, come and connect. I'd love to uh, hear from you. And also uh, we put out a lot of free educational material on Gated on our website, respana.com, R-E-S-P-O-N-A.com. Definitely go and check out our blog, and um, and we have a, a lot of resources like our Average Strategy Hub. We give you lots and lots of free educational material, and those are the two places, I guess, that's the best way. Farzad, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lewis. That's going to close out this conversation with Farzad. Hope you had as much fun as I had. Three takeaways for me, and then that'll be it. So, first takeaway. Uh, Farzad just really focused on solving problems and then selling, you know, the solution to that problem. This wasn't like one of those businesses that started on a whiteboard. He wasn't just working at his job at Vizme and being like, oh, I really wish I was starting a business right now. What should I do? It was, no, he just had to do a better job at his job of getting marketing and getting customers and the whole bit for Vizme and came up with this process of getting backlinks, built the tool for that, and then realized that could be its own spinoff business. Uh, I talk about this a lot at the end of episodes in the takeaway section, just the businesses that were started not on a whiteboard, but as solutions to problems that they were facing that other people have. Second is about the asymmetry that comes from being willing to do strategies that other people are not willing to do. So everyone's willing to, as we discussed, right, 
write a blog post and see what happens, but not everyone's willing to do the kind of less predictable, monotonous work of reaching out to possible collaborators. It's more unique, there's more customization, there's more thought involved in the strategic side, not just in the execution side, but because he really invested heavily in that strategy, the page rank algorithm, the backlinking, the kind of self-referential referral network of authority of the internet and of Google and of algorithms, that that sound like some nonsense, uh, made his site super popular. And that's why Visme shows up, at least when I recorded this, as number one for a hyper-competitive term like presentation software. Finally, I thought what's interesting is, you know, clearly at this point, Varzad seems pretty well informed about marketing and knows what he's doing and how to, how to get stuff started. But even when I asked him about getting the first customers for Respana, he said he knows back to just spaghetti, is back to trying a bunch and seeing what works. So even after years of getting, quote, good at marketing, still seems like he's starting from the beginning again at the new company, which is kind of like, you know, you never fully, you always have to try new stuff. I just thought that was interesting. It wasn't like you're just going to run the same playbook forever. It's just, it's ever changing. You have to keep being creative, uh, even though it worked for him in the past, it might not have worked again. So I thought that was super interesting. That's it for me for this conversation. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure you're subscribed if you want to know about the next episode. Check out Respana if you want to build authority with backlinks for whatever it is you do on the internet. Or check out today's sponsor, Vasa, the virtual assistant staffing agency. Or check out yourself. Just look in the mirror. Check, check yourself out. Or check out Respana. Uh, that joke was funnier written down than it was spoken aloud. Anyway, I'm making things worse here. We'll be back soon with another episode. See you then. Bye-bye.